This is Fred Barstein, contributing editor on Retirement for Investment News and founder and CEO of Prow and TPSU. I wanted to welcome you to a special RPA Convergence edition of Investment News podcast series. RPA Convergence launched in 2020 is powered by Investment News is a unique portal focused on the convergence of wealth and retirement at the workplace. So today's episode is sponsored by Mass Mutual Investments and really appreciate their support. And they're going to talk about an exciting new program they have for RPAs to help them distinguish themselves and address the real needs of defined contribution plan sponsors. So today we're privileged to have Mark Cover who is the head of DCIO field sales for Mass Mutual Investments, and John Carl, who is the president of the Retirement Learning Center. And before we start and talk about this new program, just wanted to introduce both of our professionals here. Mark manages the Mass Mutual's external wholesalers who work directly with retirement plan advisors and record keepers. And prior to Mass Mutual, he worked at T. Rowe Price, ADP, Scudder, and Pioneer. John is the founder and president of Retiring Learning Center, founding lecturer for Trow at UCLA, and a former executive director at the Plan Sponsor Institute, well-known speaker in industry, a veteran, and has worked in the industry for almost 30 years. So welcome, Mark, and welcome, John. Thank you, Fred. Good to be here. Thanks, Fred. Why don't we just jump right in? And and you've created a concept that I had never heard before, or a label, which is called a chief governance officer. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, Fred, I'll kick it off. And then John and I will probably bounce around with some of these thoughts. But there's a gap from a fiduciary process that we have identified. And that's what we're labeling this chief governance officer role to do. Basically, the chief governance officer role is designed to oversee the various and disparate selling agreements and service providers that are out there supporting plan sponsors with their retirement plan. So think of it this, like from a fiduciary perspective, right? We've seen an incredible evolution we know that fiduciary evolution 1.0 was, was basically there was no fiduciary process. But then we moved in and recognized the importance of it as an industry, and we moved to what we would consider 2.0, which was you know what we all are very aware of, fees, funds, and fiduciary. And that has stayed with us for quite some time, but we have not really evolved that. And what we see this chief governance officer role is kind of the tip of the spear for this new 3.0 fiduciary process of process of investing, participant outcomes, and plan administration. And so, Fred, think of the CGO role as the quarterback that brings everything together and has more of a holistic approach from looking at a plan sponsor's fiduciary obligations and processes. John, anything you want to add there? No, you're right on the money, Mark. You're essentially filling the gaps. As you've said, we've evolved into having a fiduciary process. But if you look at what a lot of plan sponsors think they're doing well as they're hiring a co-fiduciary and that advisor is maybe allocated to doing selecting and monitoring of investments 
But really, if you look at an effective plan, the committee does have gaps in their knowledge and their capabilities. And that's where a CGO comes in and really goes above and beyond and manages the disparate vendors that are operating and oftentimes operating well within their own silos and helps to synchronize those to really create a more effective plan for the organization, its participants. So it's a more holistic role. It's an umbrella role. It's a role that a lot of advisors are playing maybe ad hoc. But defining this as a chief governance officer, which is a gap at most organizations and the committee level, really helps that synchronization process and delivers a more effective plan for the organization and their participants. Thank you. Does this increase a fiduciary liability for the advisor, or is it just similar to what they have today? Well, that's a good question, Fred. In my opinion, it it, it does not. Essentially, if you have an advisor today who's supporting the plan and if something goes wrong, let's say, which is really what you're you're outlining here, you know, is there additional risk? Is there additional liability for the advisor? You know, the process, somebody who's going through the plan champion process will end up ultimately working with Retirement Learning Center and we will help them designate, outline and create actually a governance policy document which really outlines what they're going to be doing in this role, which is, again, managing these uh, disparate vendors. There's multiple vendors on any type of a plan. There's multiple documents. And the synchronization of those documents will be outlined. And again, it's just like an investment policy statement. Is it better or worse to have one or not? I think most folks would say it's better to have one, but have one that you can comply with. And it's the same thing with this governance role. A governance policy document is something that the advisor will put out there and then execute on and document that they've executed on it. So in my opinion, Fred, actually not an enhanced liability, and in in my opinion, actually more insulation to define what they're actually doing and making it manageable and doable, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's great. Are you seeing advisors seeing this as an additional revenue opportunity for them? Yeah, you know, Fred, I think... I think we could see kind of go in either direction. We have discussed with advisors about making it separate. Typically where those advisors are spending their time is is in the up market. So you might have a consultant as part of it. And so the advisor may come in very specifically to fill this role as chief governance officer. I think more times than not, what we're seeing and what we would probably recommend is that this is an opportunity to enhance your service model. I think the reality is that probably a lot of the good retirement advisors out there are already thinking and doing parts of this. And so it's just a matter of embedding it into their process a little bit better and then articulating that with plan sponsors so they can fill that gap. So I think that would probably be the direction, but certainly we see it as an opportunity if someone wanted to carve out a a specific kind of niche and look at revenue streams specific to the chief governance officer. Is this something, Mark, that Mass Mutual created as a concept because I haven't heard about it before. Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, we've had a relationship with the Retirement Learning Center for a little over a year. They've been incredible partners to us. And when we hit this pandemic in March, John and I sat down, we started to really talk about what we're seeing going on. And what we realized at that given moment were there was probably going to be stages from a plan sponsor's perspective of dealing with this pandemic in the retirement space that advisors should be aware of. And I'm gonna get to kind of how we got the chief governance officer. So stage one was these plan sponsors were trying to deal with the economic viability of their business. They literally had to rewrite their entire organizational strategy business plan in 30 days to accommodate keeping the lights on. 
and their retirement plan was a piece of that. After that, if you were an advisor and you were talking to them anything other than that, then you were probably not really resonating with them. After that, then the implementation of that business plan as it related to retirement plans kicked in. That's where we saw CARES Act. And we kind of had a feeling things like that were coming. Around the summer, John and I got together and in talking with plan sponsors, kind of having these discussions, we realized there was this gap. We realized that there was this opportunity for this fiduciary 3.0. And so we we came up with this title of chief governance officer and saw really kind of as organizations are coming out of the implementation process, adversity is literally the best teacher for all of us. And that adversity led to identifying this gap in the marketplace. And so now we're here kind of bringing this idea into the marketplace because we think it will serve plan sponsors and advisors well in trying to evolve their fiduciary process. It is really the natural evolution of a great advisor in this space that's going above and beyond just simply doing the investment monitoring and the selection, you know, choosing some index funds and a QDIA, but really holistically managing the plan and the multiple, as I said previously, vendors uh, within their silos, synchronizing the language from these disparate vendors who probably never looked at the plan sponsor together and organizing that all together in a nice packaged umbrella to make sure the plan is actually effective and doing what it's designed or its intent was originally designed and should be designed to do to uh, enhance the organization and uh, do right by the participants. And you guys mentioned something called a plan champion. What is a plan champion? Yeah, so let's kind of back up, right? Chief governance officer is an output and an idea that we think is important. At Mass Mutual, more holistically, we're obviously intent in, in adding value and supporting our retirement advisors in the most effective way. And so about a year or so ago, we came up with uh, this concept called Plan Champion. And Plan Champion, quite simply, is to allow retirement advisors to be the plan champion for their plan sponsors and participants to drive participant outcomes. And so underneath and as a part of Plan Champion, we had some guiding principles. And there were two that were critically important to us. Number one is Plan Champion is labeled at Mass Mutual. This is what we provide and bring to financial advisors. But everything that we do, we want to make it about the financial advisor. We want to put them front and center. And so all the support and resources we bring are branded and supported at the advisor level. You'd never see a piece of material that's going to go to a plan sponsor in any part of Plan Champion that will be labeled Mass Mutual because we think it's confusing for plan sponsors. And quite frankly, the advisor should be at the forefront. The second piece is we wanted to ensure that we gave a sales system and process to the advisor to execute. We think that in the marketplace, it's there's a lot of great ideas. Information to some degree with the internet is becoming a commodity. And so we also wanted to make sure that we connect the dots. And we have a process here. So if somebody's interested in, say, this the chief governance officer model, we can walk them from step A to Z in how to implement that with their plan sponsors. So that's kind of the plan champion umbrella. And as part of that, Retirement Learning Center is a piece. The other piece, Fred, that is connected to this is a tool from Hero7 called the uh, Plan Governance Index. And so that tool, think of that tool that we, we created and partnered with Hero7 on, is the support tool for this chief governance officer. It's a systematic process for prospects. There's like 30 questions for 
existing plans. It can get up to 80, 90, 100 questions. And it is a very well-designed process to walk the plan sponsor through all the different types of questions that need to be asked to identify the gaps that a chief governance officer could help support. So as part of like plan champion, think of it, Fred, as we've got a bunch of different providers to help advisors be successful. And we've got the idea and concept with the Retirement Learning Center to link in chief governance officer. And then we have found a great tool through Hero7 that can help that chief governance officer do their job on kind of a day-to-day basis. Yeah, Fred, if I can chime in, it should be noted too, uh, maybe Mark is too bashful to, to to mention this, but the Gramercy Institute just uh, named the plan champion as the winner in the single market category for branding for the Asset Management Marketing Award. So this is clearly uh, catching some positive press and uh, some folks are really uh, you know, enjoying the experience of being a plan champion. Who wouldn't want to be a plan champion? Yeah. And John, what support do you provide from the Retirement Learning Center for these plan changes? Well, Fred, uh, you, you've known us for a long time. I mean, we're kind of the back office that supports great advisors. And what Mark has done here is create a very attractive construct for the true plan champions in the industry. So RLC continues to do its back office technical support on the ERISA side of the equation. And that's essentially, you know, where the plan champion advisor can outsource the analysis of the various documents that are driving any type of a plan where we do our analysis for them with their input and help them consult to the organization that they're consulting on to uh, put this all together in, in a proper package to have a more effective plan. So we're doing the back office grunt work, the technical ERISA stuff in supporting that plan champion and their efforts. And you're providing it through the phone and email and, and those kinds of um, Everything's avenues. virtual nowadays, Fred. So yeah, it's all through the phone and, and the web. And the other thing that we do, which is uh, quite attractive, and the plan champion advisors that are working with Mass Mutual take us up on this, is uh, we're doing a lot of virtual prospecting through SHRM CE programs and CPA CE programs. There's a terrific deck that once uh, a plan champion gets all integrated, we're supporting them in going out and outreaching this concept of having a chief governance officer and doing it in, in virtual webinars that, that can apply for their various CE credits. So helping with the marketing side is also part of the package. Great. And Mark, I know in some of the materials that I read, you talk about a more robust governing and benchmarking system. Can you explain why is that needed and what are the issues with the current systems? What are the deficiencies there? Yeah, you know, I think we we see kind of three main kind of gaps or issues, and they're kind of interrelated. The first one is, you know, and we've talked about this already, the systems are just not, they're not synchronized. The service vendors, the agreements, they're not talking to each other. There's no, there's no holistic approach. To complement that, there's, there's also kind of no administrative process to comprehensively think about that. So they're not talking to each other. And then even if they are, there's, we don't see an administrative process that's helping bring it all together. And then the third piece is we also see there hasn't really been a whole lot that's been oriented around participant outcomes or financial wellness, right? We know that that's critically important in our industry. We talk about it all the time. But from a fiduciary process, we haven't caught up to the importance of that and put that into the framework to identify participant outcomes. And it's interesting. So, Fred, if you look at some of the Hero 7 data, 
86% of plan sponsors did not document their 316 duties for their TPA or administration. 77% do not have a QDIA process that they outline. 79% do not document the results for wellness programs, right? So we talked about participant outcomes. So the, that, those are just a few of the statistics that we see through the CR7 tool where there's a breakdown from a fiduciary process. And that's where I think we see this kind of role coming in. John, I know we've talked about, you know, some of those Hero 7 stats. You're the fiduciary genius. I'll call you a genius over there. What, what are your thoughts? Well, you're right on the money. It kind of bleeds into what we're talking about here is, you know, when a plan champion brings uh, a plan to us, we're going to ask for all the various and disparate documents that are driving it. So that's, you know, the plan document, the investment policy statement, the custodian statements. Do they have a TPA? These are all disparate vendors who have never sat down and had a cup of coffee and discussed the actual organization they're supporting. They might be doing very well in their own individual silos, but they're not synchronized. So when we run through this systematic process, Fred, that you talked about earlier by having this uh, governance policy statement, we gather these documents, we ask these basic questions to the plan sponsors, and they might say, yeah, I've got a a co-fiduciary. Well, the next question we ask is, well, what kind? Uh, And then we find that the plan sponsor doesn't know the answer to that. Or to Mark's point, yeah, we've got a 316. It's like, okay, well, can we see the documents so we can evaluate and synchronize that with language? 86% of the time, they don't have one of those. Same thing on the QDIA, as Mark said. It's like, okay, where's your language and your investment policy statement documenting what you're trying to achieve and how you, you know, selected and monitor your QDIA? Oh, well, we don't have that. So there's basic deficiencies that are there, including on the financial wellness program, as Mark said. And as we uncover these things, it's not a bad thing. It's a constructive process. And that's what the chief governance officer is able to bring back into the plan organization and fix those deficiencies. So it's a, you know, it's a terrific process. It's a win for the advisors, certainly justifying their fees and their role that they're playing. And it obviously enhances the overall uh, organization and insulates them from their own uh, risk and liability going forward. Can you keep mentioning this governing policy statement. Can you explain that a little bit to our audience? Yeah, you bet, Fred. Uh, You know, a governance policy statement, again, is not designed to, you know, boil the ocean or create some type of a construct that limits or creates a high burden. But essentially, it's an integration document that oversees everything. It delegates authority to appropriate responsible parties. In most cases, we find that the acumen on the ERISA side of the equation does not exist in-house. So therefore, you know, it is the prudent expert rule that that these plans bring it in and that it assigns those duties. It defines the actions that are going to be uh, laid out and approved, and it assigns the frequency uh, of the meetings and identifies recurring agenda items, and it prescribes the process for fixing these things. So the onboarding of this is really gathering the disparate documents, assigning that role and responsibility, delegating it where appropriate to that chief governance officer to report in and enhance the committee meetings to not, again, just look at just investments uh, and updates, which most, of, most advisors are doing, but also to integrate the operational aspects of the plan. And then ultimately through Hero 7, demonstrating is the plan moving forward in its overall effectiveness on what it's trying to achieve for the participants. Well, you answered my next question on the steps of implementing that. So that's really great. Before we get into a little bit more on the program, what uh, I know, Mark, you talked about the, the COVID crisis and, you know, it certainly dramatically affected everyone and almost every part of our lives. 
What issues do you think plant sponsors are going to face as we emerge from this crisis, short-term and long-term, so advisors can be proactive and help? Yeah, I mean, I think, and, and we covered a little bit of this in pockets, Fred, but, it, you know, from a long-term perspective, like, like I mentioned, this is, this is an extremely difficult time that we're all facing. And every one of us is probably seeing some things that are popping out that we as individuals or plant sponsors or companies want to improve on. There's potentially some things that we've seen that are just popping out as positives or maybe we're changing our way we think about our lives. But I think from a retirement plan perspective, this adversity is probably nothing that a plan sponsor has seen. And this adversity, adversity is always going to highlight the weakest part of something. And we think that it highlighted a gap from a fiduciary perspective. So I think as, as you think about coming out of this, I don't think we're going to solve that gap overnight. And I think, candidly, over the next year, it is an incredibly powerful time to sit down with plan sponsors do an evaluation and, and get a sense right now while it's fresh in their mind, what went right, what went wrong. Let's do a quick little fiduciary review of your plan and see if there's some opportunities that popped out from the adversity that we saw. I think that I, I think advisors can look at this with plan sponsors from an opportunistic standpoint in, in helping make their plan a little bit better. Yeah, Fred, if I can chime in there, there's some very practical things, too, to complement what Mark said. Like, for example, the CARES Act occurred this year. So we now have, as part of this governance policy structure, is what's the cleanup on aisle nine for the CARES Act? <laughs> we have a lot of plans with people that took advantage of not having to pay loans. They're going to have to start doing that in January. We have maybe secondary coronavirus-related loans and our CRD distributions that are out there. We have to identify those and help the plan create a management approach around managing those and an employee communication plan around uh, getting folks back online. Fred, as you know, you got the SECURE Act 1.0, now you got 2.0. So there are aspects of the SECURE Act that probably were, I don't know about forgotten, but are being need to be revisited as the CARES Act kind of overshadowed the big SECURE Act, and now we're moving forward there. So there are a lot of elements, next generation QDIA evaluation, documentation. And then, of course, the big gap that we see in a lot of plans is a, an appropriate, more needed than ever financial wellness offering. So there are material, uh, practical and tactical gaps that tie into exactly what Mark said. Yeah, John, you bring up a good point. I guess the thing that I think about too, John, is like the challenges plan sponsors are, are taking, they, they've, they've got 15, 20 different things that they're thinking about, right? So those are great examples of ensuring that retirement advisors are having these discussions with plan sponsors because kind of, I, I don't think a plan sponsor is going to raise their hand and call this out because they're thinking of a million different things. I think the opportunity and, and probably what's the right thing to do is for retirement advisors to really kind of push these things forward to make sure that plan sponsors are thinking and acting on a lot of those things you referenced. Right. And I think, John, you mentioned, you know, what's near and dear to advisors' hearts is how do I get more business? So one of the key questions we always have to ask is how does this program help retirement plan advisors to distinguish themselves and actually win new business. And I know you mentioned a little bit about a marketing program with CE, which is critical to the plan sponsor community. How, how can advisors use this to help them win new business? Well, I think, you know, I'll chime in here first and then let Mark fill in. But essentially, Fred, to your point, we're in a world now where, you know, people aren't going to conferences, at least here in the this year and maybe in the short and intermediate term. 
So we have to support advisors in their ability to virtually prospect. And in order to you know cut through the clutter of all the many, many, many webinars that have popped up, you really have to have relevant content. And we think we have that here. And then adding value to the plan sponsors, again, through the CE element, I think is very attractive to get them on here. And when they hear the messaging that goes around this whole concept of the governance policy statement, governance policy document, we know that they don't have that. So it is a real differentiator and a real differentiating message for the advisor to take out in a virtual prospecting world, add the CE element to it, Fred, and really differentiate and say, hey, look, I'm, I'm above and beyond just helping you on the investment monitoring, selection, and maybe fee benchmarking, which has maybe become commoditized, as Mark said, fiduciary 1.0 stuff that I'm an advisor that actually takes a holistic look at your plan, creates an umbrella governance process around it, and then adds those practical and tactical things that we talked about, about cleaning up the CARES Act, you know, integrating secure 1.0, 2.0, looking at that QDIA and the next generations that are coming out here, all those little uh, nuances that need to be above and beyond traditional investment monitoring and fee benchmarking. That's the message that gets put out there and done so very nicely in this virtual marketing approach that Mass Mutuals pulled together. I was going to say, I think where the opportunity for an advisor, and they can take pieces of this, but if I was if I was laying out kind of the, you know, what I would see is kind of the sales process to implement something like this and then, you know, turn it into hopefully opportunities for advisors. Step one is create kind of your chief governance officer role and model. We can set up calls with RLC to talk that through establish that, get to understand kind of the Hero 7 tool. If there's another tool that an advisor would like to use, that's totally okay too, but make sure that you have some sort of tool and then get to market. And and John talked about this one very viable way, and we're more than willing to help out with this in the right situation is set up a webinar for some plan sponsors and talk about this concept with them. If you want to go a more direct way, that's totally okay too. Go sit down with plan sponsors walk them through a list of questions to see if they have a gap. And then step three after that is sit down with that plan sponsor and identify some of those gaps. And once you've got to that spot, hopefully you've created a need. Hopefully you've shown that you're capable of filling that need. And then you're at the spot like, hey, if you really want to implement this, if you really want to make these improvements to this fiduciary 3.0 model, Now it's time for for you as plan sponsor to consider me as the retirement advisor to support your plan. And if we do that, then we will go through a very systematic process to bring you to that level of 3.0. So I think that's how, from a sales process perspective, I would see a retirement advisor working through this concept. That sounds great. And I think this is a really exciting program, I think, for the industry. We are advisors sometimes find themselves in a sea of sameness and everybody saying the same thing and offering the same thing. So I think that anything you can do to offer something new is really going to be well received. And I think advisors should be adopting it. And the thing that I really like about what you guys are doing is it includes a process. It has actionable tools and it has real life support because it's all well and good to put out white papers, but unless it's actionable, it's really not as useful to this. So I'm really excited. I think, how do people get access, Mark, to this program? And are there costs to it? And, and do they have to qualify for as an advisor for that? Yeah. So the simplest and easiest way to do it is get a hold of one of our sales team and talk through kind of how you want to move forward. We can then talk through the process, 
bring a little more clarity as to what the retirement advisor is looking to accomplish and then walk through that. And there, there isn't a cost spread. Our objective, you know, and this is part of who Mass Mutual as an organization is, we, we want to help. We want to be part of the solutions for our retirement community. And really the only ask at coming out of this is when there are investment opportunities to improve the investment lineup for a plan sponsor that they consider Mass Mutual investments. And we have a look at that. But we're here to kind of help the community and fill a gap for our industry. And so we'll, we'll make it available as needed for those that are interested. Great. Well, thank you guys for your time today. It was very, very enlightening. It was, it was really good. I've seen the Hero 7 program out in the market. and We actually have presented it and gotten a great response from plan sponsors. But I really like that it's part of a whole integrated tool and process that has the support of the Retirement Learning Center, which is the preeminent. ERISA support group in the industry. So kudos to you, Mark, for getting John on board there. So thank you. Uh, thank your support. And just one thing I wanted to mention just in the market, I know that when Mark talks about getting in touch with your mass mutual salesperson or wholesaler, we mean the mass mutual investment wholesalers, because you know obviously there's a transition going on with the other side of the house, correct? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, there's there's six of us across the country, uh, of course, internal support as well that can help out in these situations. Well, great. Well, thank you guys for your time. Thank you, Master Mutual and Retirement Learning Center for bringing this to the market. I'm sure that it's going to get great wide adoption and we'll um, want to keep in touch and, and see how it's going. And I wanted to thank everyone for joining in on the Investment News podcast, the special RPA convergence uh, part of it, and look for more episodes and bringing you insightful information like we did today. So thanks for listening. And thank you, Mark and John, for joining. Yeah, thank you, Fred. Appreciate it. Thanks, Fred. The material presented in this podcast has been drawn from sources believed to be reliable. Every effort has been made to ensure the accuracy of the material. However, the accuracy of this information is not guaranteed. The information provided is not intended as specific tax or legal advice. None of the firms represented are authorized to give tax or legal advice. Tax or legal advice should come from tax or legal counsel. Investors should consider an investment, options, objectives, risk, fees, and expenses carefully before investing. This and other information can be found in the applicable prospectuses or summary prospectuses, which are available for Mass Mutual by visiting www.massmutualfunds.com. Please read them carefully before investing. For purposes of this podcast, Mass Mutual defines plan advisors as the service financial professionals provide to define contribution plans as fiduciaries under ERISA sections 321 or 338 only, even though the financial professional may offer other services outside of their investment advisory role. The Retirement Learning Center and Hero7 are not affiliated with Mass Mutual or any of its subsidiaries. The opinions expressed in this podcast include those of RLC, and not necessarily of Mass Mutual or any of its subsidiaries and are subject to change. Mass Mutual Investments is the marketing name for certain investment related businesses, products, and services of Mass Mutual Mutual Life Insurance Company and its affiliates, including MML Distributors LLC, 
MML Investment Advisors, LLC, and the Mass Mutual Funds.